Hi, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of the Infrastructures Code podcast. Today, we have an amazing, amazing guest, Derek. But before, Derek, you introduce yourself. I, I'm Ohad Meislis, your host for today. You can follow me at DevOps Ohad in Twitter. And you can check out more episodes of the Infrastructures Code podcast at the IACpodcast.com in Spotify and other platforms. So, Derek, great having you today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Please tell us about uh, your background. Okay. Yeah. I started uh, very classically in the Microsoft realm, working for uh, managed hosting providers and managed services. Uh, I was once a exchange admin, which is something I hope to never, ever have to do again. Um Basically, after you deal with enough Microsoft products, you finally get pretty exhausted by it and start making a move. So I started with Linux, Red Hat certifications, everything else, and uh, then started working more and more in the Linux realm. Uh, started using AWS, got tired of clicking around the console, saw Terraform, and haven't looked back since. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, talking about Microsoft, honestly, uh, you probably don't know, but I work for Microsoft as well, uh, 20-something years ago, uh, when uh, Windows 2000 was uh, oh, no. was was created. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the Microsoft ecosystem, the the server with the Windows and IIS as yep. uh, the, the approach for, uh, for web server. I'm not sure if it's just a rumor, but 20 years ago, I was told that Microsoft.com is hosted by an Apache server, not IIS, but uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> it, maybe it was uh, just a rumor, but a lot have uh, evolved since. So what, what have you seen in the last like decade or two happening in, uh, in infrastructure and Microsoft and Linux and cloud? Um, I mean, you know, the, the largest thing that I've probably seen aside from virtualization and all of these steps is just the attempt to move to a more ephemeral environment in every way possible. Uh, you know, it used to be you, you have the server and reboots were such a huge thing with Microsoft because mm -hmm. that's downtime. Yep. Um, so you'd end up having your load balancers and everything else and you have to manage all this stuff and figure out how you're going to do these reboots. And then of course you have a check disk run after a reboot and all of a sudden your database is down. This is may or may not be a true story. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so you start working harder and harder to ensure your infrastructure does what it needs to do when it needs to do it and how it needs to do it. And in this pursuit of getting these ephemeral environments where you don't have to worry about which server is up, you know, I think one of the sayings is treat your servers like pets not, or like cattle, not pets. You mm -hmm. want to manage your servers. You don't want to name them. You don't want to know what's going on. You just need to know that the workloads are running. Mm -hmm. And in this pursuit of getting this like this, we've continued to evolve. Of course, you start with your VMware and your virtualization and all of that. And then after that, all of a sudden EC2 came out and put pretty mm -hmm. much all of these hosting services on notice. I was at one of the ones that I believe is gone now. Um, obviously, Rackspace is still around. A few more mm -hmm. have managed to continue, but a lot of them were lost in that change. And then of course, after EC2, we then jump into containers got the yep. workloads even smaller and more ephemeral. We can restart them no matter what. Everything continues working. And then, of course, from containers, then you have serverless. 
And of course, I'm sure somebody's going to be in the comment section talking about how all the cloud is still Linux servers or serverless is just containers or whatever. But overall, after you've got the abstractions in the way, you kind of know exactly what you're working with. And that's your workload, not necessarily the nuts and bolts keeping it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, talking about those uh, providers that uh, are maybe gone, I remember Terramark. Not sure if you remember Terramark as well. But I don't I think I used... do, actually. Yeah, it was like 2007, I believe. that uh, A little yes. bit before my time, I think, actually. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. Um, cool. So during all of this transition in technologies, where do you find yourself? Like uh, you're a big uh, educator for so many mm-hmm. DevOps engineers. Tell us more about how you influence the, the industry. Um, my, my thing, and you know, we all want to be on the cutting edge all the time, but of course I do have to realize that we still have legacy workloads in the cloud. There's still people who are going to be on EC2 for the rest of their lives. Um, and that's perfectly fine. So my thing and what I really hinge on, which is why I still have a successful Jenkins course, for instance, is mm-hmm. you know I'm here to help people get things done in the best way possible, whatever that means for them. And you know, again, some people the cost to move to serverless would be would take decades to recoup versus just running a single, you know, um, EC2 server in the cloud. They're perfectly fine just doing that forever. So I want to teach people how to use tools like Terraform and OpenTofu as it matures, uh, even Ansible if they have to, Jenkins, M0, whatever they need to do, they're using these tools to solve a problem. So I want to focus on the fact that these are just tools. And you're going to use different tools for different things. Not If one tool promises to do everything, that's actually kind of scary to me. Mm-hmm. I know, you know there's somewhere that they can't afford the best developers to develop. Um, so I try to stay focused on teaching people why they're using the tools and what they're trying to accomplish versus how cool is this tool and why you should use this tool over the other, whatever, you know, it's, it's not about the tools. It's about the processes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So let's, let's zoom in on code. Okay. And Mm -hmm. engineers writing code in order to manage their cloud operations. You've mentioned both infrastructure as code, such as Terraform and OpenTOFU, and you've also mentioned Ansible, how do you see those two technologies work hand in hand? Uh, what, what is your vision uh, going forward about those tools? Uh, that's that's probably the number one question I still get asked by uh, by new learners. Um, you know, Ansible is overall falling to the wayside as far as new workloads are concerned. If you've got a greenfield project, congratulations, you can probably avoid Ansible, but when you're talking about those EC2 servers that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ansible's still a very, very valid thing. Um, I know I've got workloads in a manufacturing company that I've worked with, with one of my startups. And these workloads, like there are times where we just have to restart a service. There's nothing we can do. These are physical servers. So what mm-hmm. we do is we just run an Ansible script, takes care of everything, easy peasy. But as far as actually deploying things to the cloud and deploying infrastructure, sticking with Terraform is going to be, or OpenTofu, or something with a true state is what we're going to want to focus on. I want to make sure that we have access to that state. We can query that state. We know how everything looks at any given time. So those those types of tools are always going to be the best. 
Now, in one of my courses, I actually use Terraform to call uh, Ansible and run, mm -hmm. you know, uh, things on EC2 servers. Once run scripts and stuff like that. So there are times where you will use both, and it's a perfectly acceptable option when you need to. Yeah, from my experience, I've worked. Uh, I, I developed code in Java, and you have that POM XML file that basically defines all of the uh, capabilities in the in the Java server that you're gonna run, like Tomcat. And Ansible is is very powerful to configure the needed configuration in different environments that execute something applicative such as Java code with its uh, with its POM XML. Uh, by the way, also Chef and Puppet and other configuration mm -hmm. management uh, systems, but Ansible uh, had its advantages and uh, became the de facto leader in configuration management. Uh, and yeah, as you mentioned, the state file or just understanding the state is very important when thinking about managing infrastructure. And Terraform and OpenTofu uh, have that approach. But before we zoom in on maybe Terraform, OpenTofu, and infrastructure as code, um, updates and licenses and things like that. Uh, you didn't mention, you mentioned Terraform like five times already in this conversation. Uh, you didn't mention CloudFormation. You didn't mention Pulumi or Crossplane. Well, what are your thoughts about other technologies in infrastructure as code that are not uh, Terraform based? It, it all depends on the workload. I think, you know, CloudFormation definitely has a place, uh, especially in more simple workloads. I did a lot of CloudFormation working for some of the training companies I've worked for in the past. And, you know, there are times where CloudFormation just doesn't quite fit into that GitOps pipeline that I'd like to see, although it can work. But a lot of times you're using code pipeline and some of the others, which in you know, my uh, very humble opinion don't quite fit the bill in a lot of cases. Uh, it's kind of just, it's a little clunkier than I would like. CloudFormation itself, I mean, if you need to do some sort of, um, like, uh, if you need to generate random integers, for instance, there's no way to do that natively within CloudFormation except for to take at least from what I've seen, you can either create a Lambda function, which runs it, and then you have to connect to all these other pieces just to run your CloudFormation template. Whereas in yeah. Terraform, you know, you run the random ID resource. It's way simpler. Uh, I know some people will split the stack ID to create a ephemeral ID or a random ID, and that's it just gets messy. So overall, I think CloudFormation has its place, especially in heavy AWS workloads, but I'm just not a huge fan compared to Terraform. Uh, Crossplane, haven't used Crossplane too much. I kind of like where it's at. I like what it stands for and what it, what it does, but there are a couple, couple things I'm not a huge fan of. A lot of that is managing the infrastructure to run Crossplane. Um, just my personal thought, unless you're already in a pretty large enterprise or you already have kubernetes clusters i'm not thinking gee i'd really like to introduce a kubernetes cluster to what i'm doing yep. and so that's me personally but i absolutely see how it can be useful for somebody um Pulumi and cdk and the others that use your own languages i like them a lot and i think they're great for developers who are comfortable with those languages but once you get into larger stacks and things like that I don't think learning HCL is that difficult. Uh, it's probably mm -hmm. the easiest thing I've ever had to learn. 
And so I don't really see a reason why you wouldn't want a purpose-built language without those extra guardrails and things put in place because you start getting creativity in your infrastructure and too much creativity with programming languages and all of this other stuff. I think you're going to start running into problems where new developers end up encountering complicated very difficult to read code because somebody wanted to be creative, you know, or clever. And I just kind of like the idea of having a language built specifically for infrastructure where that's not really as much of a problem. Yeah. Great, uh, great overview. I fully agree with everything you said. I think those are very uh, logical reasons why we eventually see uh, HCL and Terraform to, to dominate the infrastructure's code uh, space. And also TerraGrant, which is uh, <laughs> uh, an interesting creature built uh, aside from from Terraform, which has its uh, super interesting capabilities. Uh, I also want to mention, from my point of view, that besides everything you've described, which is uh, like the natural things built in in those approaches, eventually we have an ecosystem of other solutions and other providers. If I look at the uh, Datadog and Okta and Osiro. They all have Terraform providers. So if you want to use one technology that besides being multi-cloud is also uh, usable for other SaaS solutions that you use in your production environment is also important. And also built-in solutions uh, for your pipelines, such as uh, Chekhov or TFSec or TerraScan that uh, do static code analysis uh, on your Telephone code and, and your and your plan, uh, infracost which provides um, uh, cost estimation for your Terraform code. It currently supports only only Terraform. Uh, so those uh, Atlantis is a great uh, open source, free open source that automates basic GitOps workflows uh, for your Terraform code. So when you go the HCL and Terraform approach, at least today. Uh, you get a lot more from the community. And with that, I'm going to say thanks to it being or used to be open source. When something is open source, you feel comfortable building other open source solutions that add more value to, uh, to something. And yeah, so let's, let's, let's talk about that for, <laughs> for, for, for a moment, uh, because now uh, this uh, podcast is being recorded on October 23rd, uh, 2023, which is uh, two months and 13 days after August 10. Uh, and in that day, HashiCorp announced some, uh, some changes. So Derek, how, how do you, what, what, what are your thoughts about those changes that happened two and a half months ago? I've, uh, you know, I, I've dealt with others that have done that. Um, I'm actually still a fan of Timescale DB, for instance. Um, Elastic is one, of course, Redis, all, all of these others that have gone through these same changes. It, it really depends on how they do it, you know, and I understand you got to make money if you want to do these types of things and create these types of open source projects. You got to maintain them, all of this. Um, so at first, I, I waited. I didn't say anything on the first day. I honestly, I, I just held back and waited to see how they handled it. I was not thrilled at the way HashiCorp or HashiCorp has handled the whole thing. They, you know, the just ask our lawyers and we'll see how things go or we'll make sure that everything looks good. It just sounds too open-ended 
It's not really well thought through and it's not something I'm willing to take a risk on. If I'm building a new platform or anything like that, it's not something that I'm a fan of. I don't want this ambiguity knowing that if something does change in the future, which it absolutely can, all of a sudden all this work is gone. So I, I fully am on board with the open tofu movement now. Um, Again, it, it took me a little bit, especially, you know, I've made a lot of money off of my Terraform courses and things. And so HashiCorp's got me a long way with this wonderful product, but mm-hmm. I just can't stand behind where they've gone with this. I think they could have done this a lot better. And it's it's unfortunate to see. So I'm I'm rooting for open tofu. I think it's it's the right move. And we'll kind of see how that goes. But hopefully it's just a drop in replacement for the most part, and we can get this thing moving pretty quickly. Yeah, and just uh, an important disclaimer, I'm personally very much involved in the, uh, it used to be named OpenTF, now Open Tofu uh, Initiative, and now it's a, a, an official project within the Linux Foundation, so it's uh, it belongs to everybody under the, the Linux Foundation, and the license is ensured to be open source forever, it's not a vendor that manages that it's a, it's a project within the Linux foundation, uh, which is, which is really important. And, and yeah, if I, if I may say, you know, we also, I, I'm also a founder of, of a company and Zero, and every time we raise money, we get in the due diligence, uh, the normal question, show me all the licenses of the software that you're using. And what the lawyers are expecting in that process is to show everything uh, Apache or uh, MPL or MIT, uh, open source licenses. And I'm just thinking about the next fundraising and trying to show, yeah, we're using this BSL and go read this blog. Ah, wait, (laughs) there's another blog. There's another blog. And... Yeah, it's it's going to be okay. We, we're using software that it, that is okay because there is a blog that that ensures that it it adds uh, definitely some risk that uh, I personally would like to to avoid uh, if there is a good alternative that is uh, you know quick enough, um, efficient enough to to replace, get the same capabilities, maybe better capabilities, and also ensure. The vision, the the roadmap, and continue to glue together other open source tools that work hand in hand in, with one uh, with one tool. Um, let's talk about maybe the latest version of uh, both Terraform and, and uh, Open Tofu mm-hmm. version one one point six that introduced the the test uh, capabilities. Right. What, what do you think about this uh, this new capability? How are you? Are you personally going to use it and in which way? Um, you know, I'm not totally sure yet. I personally won't be. I'll probably stick to external testing tools. And of course, mm-hmm. anything I do that will be client facing will definitely be using Open Tofu from here on out. Um, I will help people with existing Terraform if they'd like or, or whatever. But, you know, otherwise, anything I do. That has any type of client-facing piece will go to Open Tofu, and I'll use you know any of the other conf tests, whatever uh, testing libraries and things to test. Um, Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
Now, will I have a course that covers this? Yeah, probably. I'll probably end <laughs> up still covering Terraform. I'm going to add add all these things. Uh, I will do lessons on them if people want them, whatever. But as far as anything client facing, just too much legal ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. And and if if you can uh, make a wish, mm -hmm. what would be the number one ask to the Open Tofu uh, project to implement within Open Tofu? Ooh, that's tough. Um, honestly, and this I can is, help. Oh, I can. Oh I no, can a help. lot of people. Uh, a lot of people think this might be crazy because nobody uses it. But Terraform mm -hmm. Console is something mm -hmm. that I use all the time to work with mm -hmm. more aggravating functions and nested functions. And when you start getting really weird with outputs, I use Terraform console a lot. If open tofu included a console that worked and was better than the one that is used with uh, Terraform currently, I would be uh, actually very thrilled. Did, did you open an issue in the open tofu project uh, repo to, to indicate that request or not yet? Uh, not yet. I really, really need to get on the open tofu thing and start. Um, now that Alpha's out, I plan on playing with it very, very soon. I just have not mm -hmm. had a chance over the past several weeks. Got it. Cool. Uh, Derek, uh, sounds like you, you've seen a lot over the years. <laughs> in the involvement of uh, infrastructure and infrastructure management. And now with the new episode of uh, uh, infrastructure as code and the license change, it's going to be interesting to see uh, the future of, of Terraform, the future of OpenTofu. And by the way, how it affects other frameworks. I've heard some customers uh, considering moving from Terraform to Pulumi and Crossplane. I've heard some customers uh, holding off migration from CloudFormation and ARM templates to uh, to Terraform to see uh, to see what's going on. There is uh, some definitely uncertainty uh, in the market today, so some folks are uh, wait in wait and see mode uh, regarding the future. So it's it's going to be interesting maybe to host you again in a year or something and talk about what happened. I'd uh, love to the last, the last year. Any other things you want to tell to our uh, to our audience? Um, no, I mean, otherwise, uh, you know, any type of shameless plug, of course, check me out if you want to learn Terraform and any DevOps things, you know, follow me, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever. Uh, and I think that's most of it. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Derek, for being with us today. And thank you all for listening. I'm Ohad Meislish. You can follow me at DevOps Ohad. And please uh, check out uh, the rest of the episodes at theiacpodcast.com. Uh, Thank you so much and have a great rest of the day. All right. Cheers.